0: Hello there, Dope Village. It's Julie Fowdy alongside Lynn Ozawi. Hello, Lynn. Hi, Julie. How's it going, my friend? I saw that you had quite the weekend this past weekend. Ah, uh, it was so much fun. Anytime I get a hangout with Mia Hamm and Brandy Chastain, it's a good weekend. The three of us, Mia, myself, and Brandy were getting honored for, um, this wonderful nonprofit called the Positive Coaching Alliance. So we all got to get together. It was great fun. Mike Tarico was kind enough to MC it for us. My family came up. My mom and dad came up. Oh, it was a pop- how nice. Yeah, it was great fun. And we get giggling on stage because I, Pretty much coughed up a hairball in the middle of Brandy's talking.
1: I wondered what that was. I saw on Twitter
0: there's a video where you and Mia were both
1: laughing so hard you were crying. <laughs>
0: What was that? <laughs> and then you get, you know, you get to that point where you can't stop. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you get shaking like we used to get. And so Brandy was like trying to continue on. And and the two of us just started shaking. And Mike was like, seriously, I really would like the to host the Olympics in 2020. Can you guys get it together and start making me look good? <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is what happens when I get around these women. It was fun though. That's cool. And and it was, they raised a lot of money for this, for positive coaching alliance, which is such a wonderful group. So all good. All right. On to our guests. We have two for the price of one this week. And we're going to set the scene right now because this was our second live podcast and it took place at my alma mater the fine institution of Stanford University. And it was for their gender and equity series that the wonderful Reverend Joanne Sanders and Patty Hanlon Baker are hosting there on campus. So that's where we met up with Olympic champion swimmers, Katie Ledecky and Simone Manuel. Now, a little background on both. Simone, at 22 years old, is a two-time national champion with the mighty Stanford Cardinal, two-time Olympic gold medalist, two-time silver medalist, white gold, we call it, and all of that from the Rio Games. She was the first African-American woman to win an individual gold in swimming at the Olympics. We're for sure going to talk about that, of course. All right, Katie Ledecky is also a two-time national champion with a mighty cardinal. She's a five-time Olympic gold medalist. She won four of those at the Rio Olympics and a silver there as well. She holds about mm, 5,000 world records. I think that's about right. And she, too is only 22 years old. So get comfortable listening. It's Katie and Simone. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's podcast is supported by your financial ally, Ally Bank. Because if you're paying for a service, you wouldn't accept anything less than great, right, Lynn? Absolutely. Things
1: like gyms, personal trainers, physical therapists, Uh, shin guards in your case case. right
0: we research everything we we find the best shouldn't we do the same with our banks we tend to stay with whatever bank we've had forever not questioning it often putting up with subpar service low rates but better is out there ally knows
1: you deserve better and their mission is to be just that julie it's in the name they're an ally for your financial well-being
0: get it with Ally, you'll get interest rates up to 20 times the national average and live customer care.
1: And get this, Julie. On average, women, we are paid 20% less than men. And therefore, we really do have to be even smarter about where we put our money. Money means having options to do things like start a business, quit your job, start a family Retire the way you want or
0: leave a legacy. And when you call Ally, you can chat with a real person 24-7, even on bank holidays, weekends, or during halftime if you need a little financial pep talk. They won't try to confuse you with fancy jargon and you won't get nutmegged by hidden fees.
1: The team at Ally actually cares about doing right by you
0: and your money. And I think as women... We don't talk about this enough, honestly. We should be paying attention to our money and where we put it. It's called Money Mindfulness. So go to ally.com to find out more. That's A-L-L-Y.com. Ally Bank, member FDIC. Also check out another great ESPN podcast, Caught Offside, which is all about the beautiful game. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney break down the latest from the soccer world, everything from the U.S. team and English Premier League to the UEFA Champions League. That's Caught Offside. Be sure to give them a listen.
2: Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling all right, get yeah, comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. This
0: really is like a dream for me because I get to talk at Stanford and interview two heroes, sheroes we should say, in their sport. Before we start anywhere, I saw Simone on your Instagram handle, Party People, March 23rd, she turned in her last assignment. How does it feel to be a graduate? Do you feel grown up? No.
2: I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, obviously pro-life is pretty tough, so that's what makes it kind of hard for me to feel like a grown-up, because I'm still trying to figure it out. But finishing school was super awesome for me. It took me a little while longer than I would have liked, but it's nice to be done. When you turned in that last assignment,
0: did you do any jig or anything?
2: (laughs) Well, I turned it in pretty close to the final session of NCAAs for the swim team because Katie and I went to watch. So I kind of just closed my computer and I started screaming with all the parents. Cause
3: she, was, she was typing in the stands. on <laughs> a laptop. She looked like, so silly. Like in the middle
2: of the competition? Well, before it, started. it was before it started. She was oh, much rushing it done
1: before it started. What was the assignment?
2: So I was writing about the miseducation of black kids. So it was wow. for my African American literature class. And that was because I minored. I minored in uh, African and African American studies here, so it was one of my last requirements. Aww. So what you gonna do with your life? <laughs> <laughs> right now,
0: all I'm doing is swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you when I came back to my ten year reunion for Stanford. Everyone was like, I'm a lawyer at this firm and I'm a surgeon over here and, you know, doing all these amazing things. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I play shocker. <laughs>
2: and they're like, still? I was like, yep. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Was- it feels weird telling people that because um, a couple of days ago in my apartment, I was in the elevator and they're like, oh, what's someone at Stanford doing here? Because I was wearing my Stanford backpack and I was. They're like, "Are you in school?" And I was like, "No." And they're like, "Do you work there?" I was like, "I'm a professional swimmer." And people are like, "Okay. Like, are you good?" <laughs> you know, it's All not right. a profession you hear about a lot. So, <laughs> do you get that too? We. I think we both get
3: those questions where when people don't know who we are and they find out you're a swimmer, it might be like an Uber drive or something, and you're talking to the driver, just making conversation and. Ask you what you're doing. Say you're a swimmer. Are you good? said,
2: yeah. Stanford
3: swim team's really good.
2: (laughs) Like, but we're so casual about it. Don't they have some
3: Olympians on that team? Like, yeah, maybe. I see how long I can go before it gets to the point. Sometimes I can get through a drive. Really? Yeah. Do they ever go like, Katie?
0: Katie? Huh?
3: No. Well, sometimes. Sometimes they'll say, Oh, are you Katie? Or it'll B, you, know, you look familiar, and that's how it'll start. And then I just won't say anything, <laughs> see if they get it.
0: I get, Mia, my daughter loves you. <laughs> All right, Katie, you um, turned professional after your sophomore year here, but you're still taking classes as well. How long are we thinking? What's your track? What are you majoring in? I'm going to be your mom for a second. <laughs> So I'm majoring in
3: psychology and this is my junior year right now, but I just finished winter quarter in March. And then right now and through 2020 through Tokyo, I'm cutting back on classes and just swimming. And I'm also helping out in research uh, with my advisor's uh, lab in psychology. So staying engaged with my studies a little bit and also being able to put all my energy into my swimming and pursuing my goals and taking care of business in the pool through 2020. Coming back after that and finishing up, I'll probably have a year, a year and a half. So I'm telling the freshmen on the Stanford team right now, I'll probably be at your graduation walking with you, but I, I wouldn't want it any other way. I, if I can spend seven years at Stanford, I'm going to spend seven years
0: at Stanford. I, I'll, I'll take as long as I can. All right, so before we talk present day more, let's rewind a bit, shall we? Like, w- when was the first time Lynn and I were discussing this earlier? We were curious as to the first time you two met. The first time I met Katie was at 2012 Olympic trials.
3: And then we roomed together the at following year. World Championships in 2013. Mm-hmm. How, How old personally? were you guys? I was 16. And you were 16 turning 17. Yeah. Her birthday is always during. The trips. The championship meeting mm.
0: oh that's fun huh?
2: yeah well the day we flew to rio was my birthday oh. that's a pretty cool way to spend your birthday <laughs> i just swim the mile at insta Blaze on, on your my birthday, birthday. Oh. last year that
0: sounds like a bit of torture actually <laughs> i'm
3: guessing you won the race though yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we won the national championship that day too last year so that was pretty sweet
0: oh okay so what was your first impression of each other
2: Oh. <laughs> who wants to go first well the first first time so awesome. I was telling her good job for making the Olympic team because my old club coach trained her I guess at I- national select camp so that's how I knew of Katie and she spoke positive things and I just was like this young girl made the Olympic team that's so cool 15 yeah and um then we roomed t- with each other the following year. I think we kind of picked each other just because we were both young. Yeah, the young kids kind of always, yeah, Hang attract out each
3: <laughs> Like, just, you know, you link up with them to room with them or whatever it is. In 2012, I roomed with Leah Neal, who was 17, also in high school. So, I don't know. It's just yeah. a little more comfortable, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I felt like Katie was pretty quiet. And I don't know what her impression was of me, but... <laughs> in barcelona we had a training camp in somewhere in spain somewhere but we like stayed up all night playing cards because oh, the jet lag couldn't sleep oh i remember we were just like laughing i remember so much there were a couple other. times yeah there were a couple times that was like the first time i saw the- that katie can be really loud <laughs> because she's so competitive <laughs> Like, we were, I don't know, we were playing Speed or something, you know, the game where you, like, go up and down, and, like, she finally understood it and was beating me, (laughs) (laughs) but, like, we kind of were going back and forth, so when she would win, she'd get really excited.
3: There were a couple nights, I remember, during that training camp in 2013, where we would both wake up in the middle of the night because of jet lag, and we both knew we were up, and we would just start laughing, and then we'd be like we're hungry and i think you had cheese it and stuff i think we were facetiming our parents cuz it was you know morning in the us or something or afternoon whatever it was and we were like well, how do we beat jet lag what do we, you know it was just yeah. one of those things where we were we had nothing to do breakfast wasn't open oh, that's we just a had feeling this too. room and Cheez-Its and cards and we had to occupy a couple <laughs> of you know the time so we made it work. Yeah? We did pretty well in
0: Barcelona. Yeah. All right, Katie, what was your impression of Simone?
3: Well, Simone has a lot of energy. <laughs> and she's, she's loud. She's not shy. But I would say, like, I've definitely seen her become <laughs> not louder over the years. <laughs> but I would say more comfortable. I mean, in 2013, it was her first <laughs> international trip. I remember being super quiet in 2012. I was still probably pretty quiet in 2013. You're just still getting to know everybody on the team. And so I think definitely there's been a change from 2013 to now. Um, We're both kind of more leaders on the team where we have the experience of a couple years being on these trips and getting to know everyone. You know, they're 15 16 year olds on some of these trips now, you know, that were now you're are the, in the role of grandma we were in. So. so there's definitely uh, a lot more comfort I think for all of us who have had a couple of years being on the team. So, yeah, I wouldn't say Simone was shy her f- first year in 2013, but I think I've definitely seen
2: her I feel like we could of balance each other out for sure. Yeah, so it's a good yeah. mix.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell us one thing that we don't know about Simone, Katie?
2: I'm an open book.
0: <laughs>
2: what you see is what you get. <laughs> um, that you don't know. Mm. I feel like mine would match up with yours. Oh, what's yours? Wait, you have one for me? I mean, me? yeah. You have one for me? You yeah, yeah, I just feel like most people don't know that Katie is like, deathly afraid of
0: cats.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so mind is like the reverse. Oh, yeah. Simone is...
3: Well, she's grown I'm out of it better, though. but... See, <laughs> she, she doesn't like dogs. I mean, she likes dogs, but she used to be really afraid of them. Mm. And... But she's getting better. I think she's thinking about getting a dog. See, I am not that way with a cat. I am getting
0: worse. My, my trajectory is not good. It's... Yeah.
2: Like, what, what does Katie do when she sees a cat? Well... Um, a year ago, we were in Hawaii for preseason, pretty nice place to be for preseason. And we were doing dry lands and like three stray kittens like came behind a dumpster and like, kid you not, like we're doing dry lands here and the cats are like there and she's like running, but I mean, like I did that with dogs. Like I would hear the chain jingle, and I'm like, "We gotta go a different way." I just have to.
3: I just have to keep my eye on the cats because if I stop watching them, all of a sudden they're at my leg, and it just freaks me out.
0: Um, shall we go back to the Rio Olympics? Would you all like to hear about that a little bit? Huh? What do you think? Okay, let's go over some of the stats there, shall we? Six golds. Three silvers, two world records, an American record, and an Olympic record between you two. That's a pretty good Olympics. Oh, my gosh. And the best part about it, you guys look like you were having so much fun. Like, the swim team has a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think of when you look back on that? That whole experience? Yeah, I think the team...
3: Really came together and I feel like I had that experience in 2012 mm-hmm. as well. But I think, I mean, 2016 was just, for me it was a whole different experience because in 2012 I had one event and I, it was towards the end of the week of competition. So I was getting ready for it. I was just kind of watching, being a fan of all these swimmers and kind of getting ready for my moment, and did really well. But then
0: in... in A gold medal at 15, ladies and gentlemen. And then... Pretty well. In
3: 2016, I was swimming every session, practically, or every day, at least. And you just kind of get into this rhythm. But I feel like I just... I think we were all just kind of feeding off of each other's successes. We were just kind of, you know, dominating. And every race, somebody was out there getting a medal, or going a best time, or breaking a record, or doing something... You know, that wasn't expected. And I remember, I think, most clearly the moments we had in the warm-up pool, which is where all the teams sit, all the, all the different countries. And the U.S. section is just always the loudest. And, you know, when somebody's going up for a race, the massage therapists and coaches they have got cowbells going, chanting oh, no USA, USA. And I just love it when you have those moments. And all the other countries just look at you. And they start, they just, they don't like it, but... They're scoffing, they're just just over it. They're just over it. By day seven or eight, it's just too much. But it's just this, I get goosebumps every time that they send people off for a race or when somebody comes back with a medal because... You know, you just see everyone turning towards the U.S. And it's like, yeah, we're the best. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> no, you guys aren't having as good of a meet as we are. And we're just going to keep rolling. And, it, I mean, it was just there were just so many cool moments where people would come back from medal metal ceremonies and, you know, hug their coaches, cry, whatever it is. You get to celebrate those moments with them. And it's just, you know, those are the
0: kinds of things I won't forget. In all of that, I'm still stuck on cowbell. that is awesome yeah coaches are literally
3: in the
1: back the 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 massage
0: massage
3: therapists have the cowbells the The coaches do the USA I love it yeah Yeah. awesome yes it's
2: awesome
1: I love it what about you Simone what do you remember most about the Rio games and looking back
2: oh I guess I could echo a lot of what Katie said I think for me the biggest thing would have to be the momentum I remember Usually we watch and we cheer when we don't have races. But um, the night before your race, you can kind of just stay back at the village and watch. And I remember I was watching, um, I think the events that, that night were the 100 back, the 100 breast. And Kathleen Baker, a rookie on the Olympic team, won bronze or silver. And then the 100 breast, Lily King and Katie Miley won gold and bronze. And I was like, oh my goodness, these rookies are going. And I was a rookie too. I'm like, these rookies are going out there and getting individual medals. And watching that really made me feel like I want an individual medal of my own. And just the momentum of seeing them swim so well really fired me up to do the same and just keep the ball rolling, as Katie said. So that really was what was so fun is just seeing how dominant the U.S. was when I think that there was a lot of doubt going into it just because of the way we performed the year before at world championships.
0: Yeah, you just feed off it, Mm -hmm. right? Ah, so good.
3: And also, I think something uh, unique about Rio was our prelims began at 1 p.m. and our finals began at 10 p.m. Rio time, so that it could be prime time in the U.S. So it was just kind of this whole experience leading up to the Olympics. We were Practice Adjusting at 11 to
2: p.m. in Atlanta,
3: and oh. we, we were told you can't go to bed before 1 p.m. to start out, and then it would be 1:30 p.m. You know they would or a.m. Oh my yeah. gosh, One, I, I, like I think back on it, I'm like, how do we do that? We were, I mean, by and the time breakfast at like 11. By the time you finish your event, if you have a medal ceremony, if you have media, yeah. if you have drug testing, you're getting on the last bus back to the Olympic Village at 1:30 in the morning. Ugh. And then, you know, you have all this adrenaline from winning a medal and you have to try to fall asleep and wake up and swim a prelims race, you know, the next day at 1 p.m., which is also kind of different for us. And it's kind of one of those things, too. It's just, you know, you kind of bond through that experience, I think, as well uh, in the training camp, you know, doing everything we could to stay up
2: um, at 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, because you were, you were roommates, yeah well. we weren't roommates we yeah, were roommates we were. at the olympics but not yeah, at olympic we training were. Camp. we were we had a
3: connecting room with oh we were we <laughs> were yeah <laughs>
2: we had a connecting room. okay i only say that because we had like four roommates because we had a connecting room so our door was all- always open but yeah we were yeah, we had a connecting room with lily and uh Leah. And Neil. yeah <laughs> yeah you were but you were roommates roommates together at rio yeah, right? so this is pretty cool after my 100 free gold medal. So Katie wasn't there. She watched it on TV because I had she hadn't had it the next night. morning.
3: I had that session off that night. And then I...
2: You raced the next day.
3: either raced the next morning or I had finals the next night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so she went to sleep, but she didn't go to sleep. Um, she wrote a note for me. I don't think I fell asleep. I didn't fall you asleep. didn't fall asleep. I, I you, shut off the lights. I was like, all right, I'm going to bed. When but I, I walked so in, excited. you were like... Um, like, very out. quietly. Cause, because we like, had other roommates, roommates that were, yeah. But That, that was just, I don't, people don't know that, but
3: that was so sweet. And I woke up the next morning with a sore throat from, I, I'm pretty sure, from screaming at the TV watching her. And it freaked me out because I had to text the doctor, I have a sore throat, what do I do? <laughs> I went with my coach to see the doctor, he's like, you'll be fine, you know, just have a throat lozenge and, <laughs> and have some tea or something. Um... I felt fine after I, you know, got through the morning, but it was like, oh, I have one event left. I have a sore throat, you know? Yeah, I know. You, start it was,
1: you just that start spiral. freaking out,
3: but yeah. I mean, Simone's race also really pumped me up, so
1: I can't really. At the Athletes Village, was there a crowd around the TV watching that?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's, there were a few, you know, as Simone said, that don't have a race that night but have a race the next morning or the next day or maybe, you know, you're racing most of the sessions and there's one session you can stay back. So there were a couple of us that we all went to, I think it was our room, we set up, you know, one of the little shanky TVs in the <laughs> real Olympic Village, um, try to get it to work, and then, um yeah, we watched all those races and just we were jumping
0: up and down and screaming. We just couldn't believe, I mean, it was insane that's so nice too because i always think about swimming as being so individual right to feel part of a bigger group Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. must be really neat because it does seem it's very isolated in your lane staring at that black line yeah so katie you went on to win the 200 the 400 the 800 and then the two by, I mean, four, four by 200, two. right? Mm-hmm. For your four golds. I will point out to you all that in the 800, she won by 11 seconds. So Katie literally touched the wall and was having a donut waiting. She's like, hey, what's up? am just having a maple bar. Everyone always says things
3: like that to me and I'm like, I don't remember what I did during the 11th. <laughs> I probably looked at my time, you know, <laughs> celebrated, and then looked at my time again. <laughs> <laughs> And, I mean, it, you you just have to let it
0: sink in for a moment. And it's not like I was sitting around waiting, like, 11 seconds. And then, then I looked not. at my time again. <laughs> Simone, you made history, as we were talking about in Rio, becoming the first African-American woman to win an individual medal in swimming. And when you won that gold in the 100-meter, I mean, your reaction is my favorite it was priceless take us back to that moment when you touch the wall and you don't know right because it was so close you touch the wall and you look and you see oh I got a one next to my name
2: yeah I mean that race I don't really remember the last 10 meters um as Katie said usually when you're swimming you can kind of see where other people are but I totally think my mind went blank and I just like was tunnel vision towards the wall. And I touched the wall and the cool thing at the Olympics is on the blocks, there's three lights and they light up if you've won a medal. So if you've gotten third, three lights will light up on the side. If you won, there'll be one light. And so I looked up at the block because I was like, okay, you know, I touched the wall, I look up, this will be the first indicator if I won an individual medal. And I just saw there were lights. I'm like, I wear glasses, so I don't know. Maybe maybe my eyes really malfunctioned that close to the block. But I was like, oh, cool. I won a medal. I turn around and I see a one and I'm like, okay, this is cool. And yeah, it was just a surreal moment for me. Um Just with everything I've been through that year and everything I've been through in the sport, it kind of was just... culmination of all these emotions of just really proud of um, me protecting my dream which was sometimes really difficult for me and um, it was just one of those moments where um, I was proud of myself but I was also so proud of the people that came before me and kind of paved the way for me to continue on in the sport of swimming when I wanted to quit Mm I'm proud of the coaches who believed in me, the teammates who believed in me and just the support system that I have with my parents and family. So it was just a lot of emotions kind of in that one moment. When you say protect your dream, Mm -hmm. how so? Um, a lot of ways. I definitely had to protect it from my own doubts. And I definitely think I had to protect it from other people's doubts. Um, there are times when I doubted if swimming was a sport for me, just being a minority in the sport. I was questioned on why I swam, like, why I didn't do basketball? Why I didn't run track? Why I didn't do volleyball? the stereotypical sports that many blacks participate in. And so I was questioned by other people. And then at times, like I said, I doubted myself and if it was the right choice and the right path for me and if I was going to like have these opportunities to be successful in it.
0: Mm. And the thing that, that resonates also with me is you're going to have this forever. Mm-hmm. You will always be the first African-American woman to win an individual medal in swimming. What is that? What is that like? What does that mean to you? Yeah, that's,
2: um, I wouldn't say it's difficult for me, um, but it is a lot of weight. I think Mm. with that title, there comes a lot of responsibility and the things that I wouldn't say I have to do, but the things that I need to do to kind of make sure that the sport of swimming is a diverse and inclusive space for minorities and, I think that's kind of me speaking up on how important it is for African-American children to get into the sport of swimming just to learn how to swim. And hopefully that can drive them to say, hey, mom and dad, I want to go to swim practice every day and be just as successful as Simone. So it is a lot of weight to continue to um be that inspiration to others. But also it's something that I'm so humbled and blessed to have, because like I said, there were so many trailblazers before me who were successful in the sport and didn't get the recognition that I have. And I just want to honor them and honor other people who have kind of broken the color barriers like Jackie Robinson. So it's really is such an honor and a privilege, but also sometimes it is a lot of weight, but um, it's something that I'm so honored to have. And And you didn't, just win this. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You didn't just win this and say, thanks very much. It is an honor, right? Mm You, you have acted on it. I mean, to, to your point, you've been in the communities and in underserved communities. As we know, she's working with LeBron school in Akron, Ohio. And, and, and that must feel so good. What are some of the stories you get from those kids
2: who are seeing you for the first time live in the flesh? Yeah, it does feel good. Um I went to the I Promise School and um this summer uh with the partnership of USA Swimming Foundation and the Akron Area Y M C A and I Promise we're providing swim lessons for the children so that they can learn how to swim and Um, Just kind of the stories that I've had or kids just telling me, hey, I got into swim lessons because of you. And um, with the numbers that 64% of African-American children do not know how to swim, Mm -hmm. 45% of Hispanic Hispanic and Latino children do not know how to swim, and 40% of Caucasians, it's a big deal. Say those numbers again. That's amazing. 64% of African-American children, 45% of Hispanic and Latino children, and 40% of Caucasian children do not know how to swim. Wow. It's the second leading cause of death for children under the age of 13. So, I mean, like, it's a big deal, and, like, just knowing that me swimming 52 seconds or me going out there and being an example to people that they can do it and hopefully save their life is something that's so rewarding. And um, it's just awesome because that's the reason my parents got me into the sport of swimming was they didn't want to contribute to that statistic. So I think it's super important that with the accomplishments that I have, that I give back. Mm -hmm. That's awesome.
0: Wow. You you also included an inclusion rider in your contract.
2: Yeah, so with my partnership with TIER, which is the swimsuit company that I'm affiliated with, I have included an inclusion rider in my contract um, because I think representation is super important. If you can't see it, you can't be it. And so this really is to make sure that the businesses that I'm aligned with provide meaningful opportunities for underrepresented groups, um, and especially involved in the creative process. And even for me, um, like some of the things that I do is that when I go to a tier photo shoot, I ask for a black hairstylist, because oftentimes black hairstylists aren't always brought into a space where they deserve to be and so i think it's super important to allow people to feel like they belong in a space and that Mm -hmm. they are important and um because of the feelings that i've had about being a minority in the sport of swimming i hopefully want to provide inclusion and diversity in every area that i'm attached to yes when i saw that
0: i was like why didn't i think of that (laughs) Okay, here's something I don't understand about swimming, you two. In, in soccer, for example, you're chatting, right? There's sensory stimuli, there's noises, you're trash-talking, <laughs> whatever it is. You guys, when you're training, you can't hear anything, right? You can't really listen to any great podcasts out there, <sighs> Darn.
2: i've heard of one you know every now and then we get the synchronized swimming music so oh, we're not you? always bored
3: <laughs> our coach uh also has a speaker and mm-hmm. so there's music and well, we off you... on the wall it's not like we're constantly swimming the whole
0: workout what do you what are you thinking when you're staring at that black line i mean it's a lot of it's a lot of zen time uh, maybe meditation I, mean, I don't know
3: you're kind of in <laughs> your own head i mean you you're thinking about what time you want to go on a certain repeat and practice or different technique cues that your coach is giving you. Um, sometimes you just kind of shut off your brain and race, race the person next to you in practice.
0: Uh, when we're on the wall, we're trying to encourage each other.
2: Uh, if we have air. <laughs> if we have
3: air.
0: But Simone, you rolled your eyes when I said, what are you thinking about underwater? What was that look for? <laughs>
2: <I think laughs> you gave me like a, oh. I think about a lot. Like I'll think about <laughs> what I'm going to eat. Next. <laughs> That's common. Um I agree with Katie about some of the cues cuz like you your coach isn't yelling at you. Make sure you have a good turn like you kind of have to do it yourself. When I'm racing against her, I'm sometimes I'm like please slow down. <laughs> And this is, like, swim nerd talk. If you're not really a swimmer, I'm sorry. Um got some little young swimmers. Yeah. Okay. So, (laughs) awesome. So, we'll do, like, a practice. Like, 200 days when we kind of meet in the middle and we practice together. And our coach has been really big on hundreds where you're plus a certain time of half, half your 200. So, like, the first round would be plus six, plus four, plus two, and then at. And... She'll be swimming so fast, and I can't not race her, but her half her time is a good bit faster than mine. But I'll feel like I have to keep up, so then I end up going, like, plus three on round one when we're supposed to be at plus six. made the set harder for herself. it's like, oh, no, like, I'm going down because our coach doesn't let us reverse and go back the other way. So you just better keep getting faster. And then the piano falls on my back and... (laughs) practice is over so we've got that to look forward to (laughs) that's so fun
0: (laughs) that was a lot of math that i didn't that was a lot of
1: math (laughs) we were talking about that earlier it seems like there's there's a lot of mental math that goes into swimming you're shaving off split seconds to try and accumulate a bigger chunk of time off like is are you just constantly doing math as you, Or you have you have sheets where you're writing out your goals. We're very smart at Stanford. We just do <laughs> equations in our head as we swim.
3: Well, um, when you said that, it kind of reminded me of when I was younger and just first starting to swim and go to meets and, and things like that. I would write down my want times. I didn't call them goal times. I don't know why. I, I think I felt want times was special for me, you know, just my little thing. And I would write down, okay, this is the event I'm swimming in a meet this is my want time, and then after the meet, I would write down, okay, I you know, was half a second off of this time, I beat this want time by a quarter of a second, whatever it is. Um, and then I also remember at a mini-meet you know, when I was six or seven years old, I distinctly remember my dad having this conversation with me where he was explaining to me tenths of a second and hundredths of a second, and saying, you know, Katie, like, this sport, he he wasn't a swimmer, but he, you know, learned all about swimming very quickly. (laughs) And, you know, explained, Katie, you know, these races are decided by hundredths and tenths of a second, and that's nothing, you know, and it's such a tough sport um, because our events, our races are sometimes decided by very Mm -hmm. small margins like that. And when we go to practice, we're constantly trying to get a little bit better. And when you get to our level, sometimes that gets... Harder. <laughs> I mean, when you're, when you have best times that are American records or world records, it's like, yeah, you just... And that one-tenth is like... That one-tenth is a lot. You know, you just, it, it can be a big celebrate. deal. So, yes. I mean, it's hard to even maintain the level that we're at, I would say, and then to try to get better because the world is getting faster. There are people all around the world that are swimming really fast right now, and um, you just can't take any of that for granted And
0: Katie in a fantastic Sports Illustrated article which if you guys haven't read it came out right before the Olympics uh, you were described as Ledecky has a relentlessness that even family can have trouble grasping she swims as if it's a matter of rent and food <laughs> <laughs> what is that <laughs> <First time. laughs> What's the question there? Um, that was
3: actually a really special article. Um, I actually read that from time to time oh. just because I feel like I learn something every time I read it about my own family. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a really special article because it highlighted my two grandfathers. The reporter actually went out to North Dakota and went out up to New York to interview my grandmothers, which was really special for them. Uh And it just kind of told the story of my two grandfathers who uh, both have passed away but just had both really incredible stories. Um, my grandfather on my dad's side immigrated to the U.S. from Czechoslovakia, like five dollars in his pocket, went to Rutgers, was getting his PhD like in night classes, and just worked really hard was in the U.S. alone, you know, fled Czechoslovakia. And um, And, and was literally told not to come back. And was told not to come back by his father. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wasn't able to get back until, you know, early 1990s and just really worked hard. And uh was just such an amazing man, such a great grandfather. He was learning his eighth language on his deathbed, was just this brilliant guy. And As I said, my my mom's from North Dakota, uh, but my grandfather was a Navy surgeon in World War II in the 1st Marine Division and won a Purple Heart and uh, Silver Star and a number of medals um, and just had some incredible stories of uh, his time in in the Pacific uh, fighting in in World War II and came back uh, and was... uh, doctor in, in North Dakota, family doctor in North Dakota, small town and and the article tells a story of how uh, he he was president of the park board and I love this is my mom 's sister they my mom 's family went to a lake to for a vacation or something, and my mom 's sister got in the water and really almost drowned and he kind of came back and... That's not the part I love, by the way. Oh, you'll have to tell me the part. You'll <laughs> to be have, he clear. Came back. He came back and really wanted everyone in the small town in North Dakota to learn how to swim and pushed for that with the park board. And eventually they got a pool built in Wilson, North Dakota. And the pool was named after my grandfather, which is really special for me uh, whenever I go out there and get to swim in his pool. And so just that's kind of how my mom's family started swimming. My mom swam, swam through college, uh, was one of the uh, first to benefit from Title IX at University yeah. of New Mexico, swimming there. So it's just fun to tell those stories uh, because I have such great memories with my grandfathers. And uh, just whenever I swim, I kind of think of them, have, have some moments where I think of them. I don't know what story you were you were saying. When he built
0: part. that pool, mm-hmm. it was a shorter pool. It wasn't Olympic oh, size. Right. He,
3: he insisted that it be Olympic size, and they built a 25-yard pool. Because um, he
0: might have grandkids that may be Olympians one day. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I swam in that
3: 25-yard pool whenever I would go visit him, uh, visit my family for Christmas or in the summer. And then actually they just built a state-of-the-art recreation uh, center a couple years ago in 2013 or 14. So they got rid of that old pool and built an Olympic-sized pool, and uh, they named that after my grandfather as well, and I got to swim the first lap, yeah. which was really special for my whole family. So do you think that's where that fire comes from? Well, I think so. That article, you know, you, you gave that quote, and I think that article was trying to make those connections between... Kind of just my upbringing and the genes that I have, but also you know it 's kind of that nature nurture uh, balance talked about it all the time in my psychology classes, uh, but I think it, it really is both, and um, certainly, my mom swam and knew the importance of me learning how to swim. my brother uh, as well and but never never pushed us into the sport. We just fell in love with it, and then I think uh, I do credit a lot of my drive and my persistence and motivation uh, from my grandfathers.
0: And I've also read you say, I love training. Like when I take a break, I'm like itching to get back in the pool.
3: I think, I think it's a balance. I think I liked the first couple days of a break, you know, after a big meet, definitely need the time to reset, but then I just kind of get bored <laughs> and, you know, you get into such a routine. I feel like I sleep better when I swim. It's just all these little things and usually when I take a break, I'm back home in Maryland and we have our summer pool that we go to and, you know, my mom and brother do laps and I want to go to the pool with them. And, I'm in! You know, I, I usually try to stay out of the water, just play ping pong or something with my brother, but eventually I just start wanting to get in the pool and
2: swim a couple laps. I just get that itch. I think a lot of it, and I don't want to speak for you, but I think a lot of it, especially when we're on break, is that there's something more. There's like something more we can accomplish. And even though like Greg is like, take your mental break. It's kind of like after 2016, I was like, okay, like what can I do next for the next four years? And so I think that is what continues to drive us to get up every morning and go to practice or feel that itch when we're on break is that we still know we have so much more to give the sport of swimming. And it's like, let's just go to work.
3: I think, yeah, I I had a coach put it once, you know, like you can be happy after a swim or a meet, but it's crucial not to be satisfied and always kind of take those times to reset some goals or find ways that you can be better. And, you know, there's never going to be a perfect race. Um, It could look like that on paper. It could look like that on video to somebody else and when they look at the race, but you always have to be nitpicking your races and finding new ways to improve. And that just, as someone said, just makes you wanna
0: to go to yeah. the pool and get back to work. And in a healthy way, right? We, we called it a wholesome discontent because there's definitely an unhealthy, like the, you're always searching for that perfect, right. which there is not gonna be out there. Post Olympics, you transition pretty seamlessly because you come back and you guys win the first national title for the swim team since 1998. Mm-hmm. It almost been 20 years. And you're back with the team. How fun was that? It was
3: fun, yeah. It was my freshman year. And so it was, you know, right back to home. Got to get my, you know, sheets picked out and all my dorm things and get out here. Um, and then, yeah, we had that goal of winning the national championship and I think we all knew we were capable of it and uh, it was really special for us to win that. And I think it was, it was really special, you know, having that almost 20-year period where a lot of the alums uh, came to the national championship mm-hmm. and to various meets throughout the year and we really felt that support and also we were able to celebrate that championship with the 1998 team, most of them were, at, oh, we're there. at the meet. A lot of them came out. We had a huge uh, section in the stands. Who came stand in second?
0: Cal? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Should we say that again? <laughs> Who came in second? <laughs> we're say good sports. It. Cal. <laughs> Not for Cal. Simone? Come on. We have a really
3: great team. Yeah. Great swimmers. So many mm-hmm. Olympians over the years. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Greg always says it's important to be a good sport. It is. You know
0: what? We lost the 1995 World Cup to um, a team that I don't like very much, Norway. And when they won, so it was the semifinals, actually, and they got on the ground feel like i should demo this i'm not going to do the worm but they got on their hands and knees and then they grabbed the ankles of the person in front of them on their hands and knees and they walked as in a centipede around us (laughs) i was like you couldn't (laughs) escape it was like oh my god are they doing this right now (laughs) and so we took a picture of that and put it on our locker room and so every day for the next year, the very next year was the Olympics, and guess who we were playing in the semi-final? My Viking friends.
3: <laughs>
0: and so, guess who we beat in that semi-final? But we were like, we are not doing the centipede. <laughs> we are not celebrating. We are humble about it because that, oh my gosh, to this day. Oh. Anyways, I'm getting all fired up talking about it. All right, so you come back, you win your first, you win a second, you go back to back. Then you announce you're going to turn professional. So you're going to forego a year of eligibility. You're going to forego your last two years. I want to know how hard, or maybe easy, was that decision?
3: It was hard. I mean, I it was something that I had talked to Greg, the Stanford coach, about for... I mean, really, when I entered as a freshman, it, it was a, good, a really good decision. I think uh, just the timing was perfect. Um, but uh, again, it, it's it is hard to not be a part of that NCAA team. But for me now, it's nice to be able to focus on my long course goals. And 2020, uh, I've been to two Olympics as an amateur. So it's nice to kind of have some professional responsibilities, obligations, opportunities.
0: I thought you were going to um, say change in my pocket. <laughs> no. Well, that
3: too, but you know, it's something different and it's uh a new challenge, new opportunities and something that I'm really enjoying. Same for you, Simone?
2: Yeah, I think pretty similar. Um, just talking with Greg, we had a plan that two years out would be the best way for me to be successful leading into 2020 based on transition and like opportunities with sponsors and I think for me a big decision was finishing up as much school as I could without being professional because I think Katie and I can both attest to the fact that the two quarters that we just did were probably the hardest oh, yeah. while being professional um, because you have so many obligations but you don't always know the timing like I would go into my professor and be like hey I'm gonna miss a good amount of the quarter of school and they're like so what days and I'm like can't give them to you because you may get an email that's like hey in two weeks can you be at this photo shoot and so that's just was really difficult how are they with photo shoots i didn't have any issues stanford teachers are so supportive so did did you buy anything for yourselves when you signed your
0: endorsement deals fun
2: no no
0: all right. Good talk. <laughs> I probably took my. I don't remember. I mean, I think I, I'm, I probably
2: you took my parents out, to do out it. here. You gotta
0: keep that money. You yes. keep that mindset. You keep that sir. money. I know we would have young kids on the team when they'd get their first check and they'd be like, "I'm getting a BMW," and I was like, "No, you are not. You get the Chevy. It's
2: fine."
0: <laughs> or Toyota. Toyota. I think you're smart like Toyota. Simone. Like, you get a Toyota, Toyota. deal. <laughs> All right, Lynn. Is it time? Ready for a game? Yes. This is my favorite part, you guys. In honor
1: of being in Palo Alto, we are going to play a game called Who is the Nerdiest Nerd of Nerd Nation? Yeah! I I never know what these are either. First of all, can someone explain what Nerd Nation is?
2: It's Stanford. I know who coined the term. Sinead? Oh, yeah. Was it? Mm -hmm. I think that's right nerding out
1: already i love it so the one rule in the game is that you have to squeak in with an answer i'll be asking you questions so you can pick your squeaker i'll let you two
0: pick first what do we have here i'll
2: take the pig
0: a A giraffe and what is this uh a fuzzy blue dog dog. i'll take the dog yeah you definitely do it's not not a a cat cat.
1: It's definitely not a cat. Question one. Present company excluded. Okay. Name five Stanford graduates who have won Olympic gold medals.
0: Uh, Carrie Walsh Jennings. Jessica Mendoza. Are we just supposed to shout them out? Well, you squeaked in first. Okay, now you. get to answer the question. Um, Wait. Five Stanford athletes that have won Olympic gold medals. Uh, Carrie Walsh Jennings. Jessica Mendoza. Present company excluded. Correct uh time's up <laughs> oh my god there's so many summer sanders uh, janet evans um and uh yeah brenda Villa. come on hey, thank you right. yes burst. it took a while to get there
1: but we got there julie all right question two you were quick on the draw slow on the answer <laughs> reaction time what number did carrie walsh jennings wear when she played volleyball at stanford Oof. <laughs> should I take a yeah. We get a range? Yeah. I have a hint and if you don't get get it after the hint, I can give you a double hint. I'm trying to t- like just give us a hint. Okay. Hint, it's the same number Michael Jordan wore oh, in yeah. the Olympics. I, I don't know. 24? Yeah, that's... No, 23. No. 23? No. 1. Double hint. It's the same number that Mia Hamm wore.
0: 9. Correct. <laughs> Two to Julie, zero to Simone, zero to Katie. Just keeping score. All right, number three. This is multiple
1: choice. Ah. What architect designed both the Stanford University campus and Central Park in New York City? Was it A, Stanford Jones, B, Ted Mosby, C I am Pei, or D, Frederick Law Olmsted? Ah. B! <laughs> That was Simone, and she is cool. Yeah! Thank
0: you! Thank you! Wait! Hey, hey. Wait! <laughs> Can you give me your pig? <laughs> no, just like the noise of it, I would like it. <laughs> it's like a dying pig over there, like whoo! All right, number four. Wait, Julie two, Simone one, Katie. How are you feeling? You've never been in this oh, position. <laughs> Come on, sister, bring it from the rear. Last 50. Number four, true or false, Julie Foudy
1: was accepted into Stanford Medical <laughs> School. True. I think question. she didn't go.
3: I caught pitter-patters. Katie Ledecky knew that. Can I turn the
0: question to you, though? Uh, I'm sorry, Katie. This is our podcast. No, but...
3: But so I I did read that you got into med school, and as people that don't know what we're going to do with the rest of our life after yeah. swimming, did you always want to go to med school or be a doctor, and then you decided not to?
0: Um, how much time do we have? <laughs> Give the thirty I, seconds. Yeah, thirty seconds. Um, I was supposed to go into medical school at Stanford two weeks after I finished the ninety-six Olympics. And thankfully, before I got to the '96 Olympics, I was like, "That is a bad idea," <laughs> right? So I went to Stanford and I said, and I was having like doubts, like, "Gosh, do I really?" And it wasn't about soccer; it was more like, "Do I want a profession of being a doctor, which is, you know, it's a lot. pretty linear? Yeah. It's a lot." And when you go down that path, it's not like a lawyer where you can go a million different no. ways. It's You know, you're seeing patients or you're doing research. So I asked about 2 million doctors, and they said, ooh, I think I would wait and sit on that for a little bit. So I asked Stanford, can I defer? And they said, sure. And then I asked another 2 million doctors, and sadly about 95% of them were like, I mean, if you think it's your calling in life, yes, but if not, run away. (laughs) So it was less a soccer decision. It was more I just felt like it would be too confining, and I would be $100,000 in debt. And then I would be confined with that as well. So it was a great decision. I took the MCATS though. Oh God. Don't do it. Oh, I'm not. You want to be a doctor? I always
3: did when I was younger, having a grandfather that was a doctor and a lot of my mom's side of the family. But then I realized from a pretty young age that it wasn't really for me.
0: So But you're doing psychology? I'm doing psychology. Mm-hmm. Which I enjoy.
3: You do? It's a good balance of science, but mm. also
0: social stuff, so. Yeah, and you got to go with your gut with that. Like, that's a good thing, where you're like, I realize, that's what yeah. I realized. I was like, no, Dr. feel good is not going to happen,
2: so. Okay, did I win? Sorry, I just... <laughs> Long 30 seconds. What is the... <laughs> I ambushed the game.
3: I ambushed the game, but I, I actually wanted to know that. What's the what's the score at?
1: What do oh, we Two have? to Julie, one to Simone, one to Katie. Is okay, this for two? Points? This one's worth ten thousand points. Last question. Is Stanford <laughs> better than Cal? i yes. oh, already addressed this earlier. Yeah, I mean that's How cool. Who squeaked in first though? Simone Manuel with the win. Simone
0: <laughs> Okay, most pressing questions. Are you ready? Katie, I would like you to name one of the coolest things you have done here at Stanford that did not involve swimming.
3: Um, So I joined the Stanford band for a week in the fall, which was pretty cool, which was fun. Uh, It was something my mom had always said since I committed to Stanford and watching Stanford football games and everything wouldn't it be fun to join the Stanford band just for one game, you know? I think she just had that dream. It was really fun, and I kind of went all in for it. I went to the two-hour band rehearsal Monday night from 7 to 9 and learned how to play <coughs> right now on the sax. I've never played the sax before. So
0: I learned how to play all right Wait, now. Wait, stop right there. You learned how to play all right now in two hours on the sax. And well, you I, the sax so
3: I and learned play. on Monday night, and then... I came back one other time in the middle of the week, and then on Saturday, you did, you're
0: Katie Ledecky. Okay.
3: but I really wanted to feel like I was contributing to the band <laughs> got all right now down to a decent level and then Saturday <laughs> the game was Saturday afternoon, so I went to morning practice Saturday morning, and then I went to all the you know they run around to all the different tailgates. My phone said that I Walked, I think seven or eight miles that day, <laughs> um, which is you know six or seven more than I normally <laughs> do. And then I played during the game, did the field formations. They included me in part of the pregame. Uh, I had one line in the pregame show. What you probably don't know is the band also stays for about thirty or forty minutes after the game when nobody's in there, and they just keep playing when everyone's cleaning up, which is I thought was really nice.
0: Like they're so good, making
3: it fun for the people that are cleaning. Love our band.
0: That was great. On good for them for letting you do that. All right, Simone. I've I've been dying to ask this: Are your two snails, Shaka and Zulu, still alive? No. No. (laughs) What happened?
2: They have passed to the other side. <laughs> that was
3: a really nice way to put it.
2: <laughs> they passed to the other side. Oh, I honestly don't know what happened to them. Oh, maybe it was the fact that they were in a plastic container. I don't and know. They were, but uh, so my boyfriend was taking care of them. Oh. He. he I, I'm not throwing him under the bus. He's actually a great snail babysitter, but I, I think he put them in the window, window and they overheated. <laughs> but that doesn't because they totally are outside yeah Didn't they get a little find frothy them on the beach i found them uh, on a preserve old. so but i don't know how old they were I don't know how old they were <laughs> but i do miss them do you i do. do you have a bond with them okay like i think this is somewhat weird but it's really relaxing to watch them move so slow <laughs> like i sometimes would not turn on the tv and when they came out their shell i would just walk watch them slither or whatever snails do and... (laughs) That is good.
0: (laughs) It is like meditative. For sure. All right. I'm going with that. Let's go with that. All right. We did some investigative reporting. Looked at your Instagram pages. Katie, you have pictures with Bruce Springsteen, Ellen, and Steph Curry. Simone, you've got the Obamas, Serena Williams, and Drake shoot yeah so who is your favorite celebrity you've met
2: i have to say the obamas yeah like come on i mean, michelle when i met them uh after the olympics i was in the room next to them hadn't even seen them i was shaking and bawling i was like oh my gosh this is the greatest day of my life um yeah they're just amazing like they've been through so much obviously and i just yeah i can't even speak because they really are like that amazing every time i've met them i've been stars how many times have you met them okay three (laughs) times (laughs) we're bffs (laughs) yeah christmas Story? Yeah, I read um, The Night Before Christmas with the First Lady, Aww. and then um, for her book tour Becoming, she came to San Jose, and I was able to go to VIP. Oh, boo!
0: Oh, that's awesome.
2: They are great. Katie?
0: Well, I had that experience
3: too, um, in <laughs> to the White House, um, which was really cool. Uh, and then, as you said, Bruce Springsteen, um, that was right after Rio um he was on tour was at nationals park and got to go backstage and meet him which was really cool um Ugh. my dad's like a huge bruce Springsteen fan and always
0: rubbed off on me when i was younger was the midnight taco run oh that was pretty <laughs> steph curry worth it oh yes we was had, like 6 a.m practice i
3: had uh it's aggressive yeah i had so we went out uh did the filming and had the tacos after his game, which finished around 10.30. And then he had to shower, do media, all that. So we were waiting and yeah, got in the car around 11, drove around for about an hour, had tacos. I was smiling the whole time. It was I know you so were. Much, it was so cute. It was You're just like... so much. It was just so cool to have a conversation like that with an athlete. Um, the, the goals that jokes. she, yeah, and the goals that she has as a young basketball player and, Kind of trying to give her some tips as she's uh, a young athlete. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and
0: she was adorable.
3: Yeah. Speaking of which, we've had some youngsters in this front row
1: here mm-hmm. who have really hung in there throughout yeah. this. If do you, you guys have
3: morning practice tomorrow? No, afternoon <laughs> practice. Yeah. Y'all don't have doubles yet, do you? No, they probably don't have early
1: morning. Soak
2: yet. it in.
3: <laughs>
2: I was kidding. Yeah. It only gets better. Parents,
1: soak it in. Yeah. <laughs> What advice would you have for these youngsters who are going to pursue their dreams?
2: I think um, kind of as I said before, like really protect your dream. Like don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something. You are the author of your own destiny. So really believe in yourself, dream big and work hard to achieve the goals that you have for yourself. And I'd say just continue
3: to have fun with it. You all have big smiles on your face right now. I started swimming for fun at age six with my brother on a summer league swim team. We would play sharks and minnows and play water polo and have fun Fridays with our, with our summer league team. And I started swimming for fun, and that's really all it is when it comes down to it. It's still just something that I do because I love to do it, and... I'm still having fun with it. Um, but just find your passion and try to be the very best you can be
0: at it. Yeah, go right for it. On. <laughs> All right, we do our last segment, something called high-low cheer. This is something we do around the dinner table with my kids. That's where it comes from. So when we actually have dinner together, we talk about our high of the day, our low of the day. And the cheer is someone that's done something nice for us. So we're celebrating someone else. But we're going to do it, not of your day of your careers. So, Simone, do you want to go first? High, low, cheer.
2: I think my high would definitely have to be Rio 2016 winning the Olympic gold medal. I definitely think um, that accomplishment taught me a lot about myself and the things I went through. And I definitely think still that accomplishment teaches me a lot about the experiences that I have today and the goals that I'm setting myself up to hopefully achieve um the low of my career would have to be when I wanted to quit swimming at the age of 12 when I really was questioning if swimming was a sport for me 12 is kind of the time when this you're kind of trying to find your niche um swimming was kind of the sport that I said I was going to do outside of other sports so it was really hard for me when I gave up those other sports and didn't feel like I fit in and then I definitely think my cheer would have to be, once again, all the people who really have supported me and encouraged me and pushed me to stay in the sport and, and follow my passion. And um, I definitely wouldn't be the person that I am today without them. Um, both in and out of the pool. They drive me to reach my goals in the pool, but they also drive me to give back to the world and be a positive influence and inspiration to others. So I definitely have to give kudos to them. Um, that includes my parents, my agents, um, my teammates, my coaches. So many people that come up to me and tell me that I'm an inspiration to them, they really drive me to keep pushing forward to my goals and dreams. Right on. Katie, hi, low, and cheer. Yep. Uh, I would say
3: my high would probably be London 2012, uh, 800 free gold medal. It was my first international competition. I was the youngest one on the whole Olympic team uh, for the U.S. and it was just such a crazy experience to uh, be at the Olympics, let alone make an Olympic final, let alone win a gold medal. I just kept feeling like I was in a dream. I just have a distinct memory of flipping at the 600 point and feeling like I was waking up from a dream and saying, okay, I have 200 left. Um, and just that last 200 was surreal. So that that would definitely be the high. The low, I would say, would probably be December of 2011, before London. I got walking pneumonia for two weeks and missed uh, Winter Nationals, which... Was going to be kind of my first national level meet, and I was really excited for it. So it was kind of a low point, a bummer at the time. And then, in terms of cheer, I would say there are a lot of uh, athletes that have come before us that I really looked up, look up to, uh, and a lot that I've uh, gotten to become really close to over these last couple of years. Um, one is Chris von Salta Olmsted Olmstead, who. Went to the Olympics in 1960, won gold medals, broke world records, uh, and then went to Stanford but wasn't able to swim at Stanford because they didn't have a women's swim team uh, Mm. at the time and uh, retired from swimming at age 18. And becoming friends with her now and kind of hearing her story and getting to know her and uh, realizing the opportunities that I've had as a female athlete uh, because of the work that people like you have done on Title IX and all the the great opportunities that we've had. I think uh, I've really tried to take note of those and not take it for granted, the opportunities that I have. And I think um, we need to continue to celebrate female athletes in general. And I think you yeah. see a lot right now of that going on. And it's really exciting to be a part of that. And continue to cheer them on.
0: Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Ah, so good. It gives me such hope, too, when we've been talking to a lot of amazing athletes, but a lot of young athletes, too, both of them at 22, and their wisdom to recognize already that they're inspiring the next generation, but they're so cognizant as well of those who came before them and the history. And I think that's so important because uh you're standing on the shoulders of giants. And when you hear Katie talking about past swimmers and Simone talking about past pioneers, it's like, ah, the wisdom in these women at 22, I was eating Cheetos on the couch for sure. I did not have that wisdom. It's very impressive.
1: I agree. They are two smart accomplished driven women i do wonder they seemed a lot smarter than you julie and
0: allegedly you went to stanford as well it's very true they were they were so impressive yes all right those were those were our takeaways uh new segment questions permitted. People write in questions to us and we love to hear from you. So the first one is, we'll be quick, Kate in the hat, or maybe cat in the hat, C-A-I-T. What advice would you give to young women starting out in their career, Lynn? My advice would be to follow your interests, follow your passions, and
1: eventually you'll be able to make a living doing them.
0: Good one. My advice would be be bold because when you start a new job, you think, I don't know enough. I'm too young. I'm not smart enough. And if you start going through that cycle, you'll never raise your hand. So get that out of your mind and be bold and raise your hand. Question number two from the at rain master, R-E-I-G-N master. When will Brandy Chastain be on the show to refute or confirm the stories told by Julie and Mia? Well, my people are currently talking to her people, and I'm happy to report the breaking news. It's looking like it's going to happen.
1: We should give her a chance to tell her side of the story.
0: Yeah, she'll get her chance, and you know what? She's going to take like three damn hours to tell it, so beware. <laughs> All right, question three, the last one from Our Dope Village. Where does the great donut debate of 2019 stand, Lynn?
1: Well, this is in reference to our last close of our last episode in which the question was asked, what's your favorite donut? And you answered with? Cinnamon roll. Larger, larger than my head, please. And I said, is a cinnamon roll a donut? And I've gotten a quite a bit of a response to that question.
0: Mm-hmm. Capital I, social media influencer. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: A lot of people are saying, no, it is not a donut. In in fact, our mutual friend, Amy Liss, is adamant that a cinnamon roll is not a donut.
0: Uh, Amy, how dare you, Amy?
1: Wait, did, did you look it up? So... According to the dictionary, a donut is a small fried cake of sweetened dough, typically in the shape of a ball or
0: ring. Oh, thank you, thank you. Where is that? Where is that definition from? Cite your source. I don't care. It's the just. (laughs) I don't care. What it tells me is I am right, even though many was what you said think I am not right. I. It's it's a fried dough. It doesn't have to have a hole can just be fried dough. That's gooey. Yes. Well,
1: the thing that really got me is we went and got some donuts in Palo Alto at a place called Happy Donuts and I asked one of the women who worked there is a cinnamon roll a donut. And she said it, yes, it is.
0: Boom, of course she did. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap for us be sure to hit us up on social media with your comments and questions lynn is now over 200 followers she's very excited about that i'm at julie foudy on twitter and instagram and hashtag at laughter permitted uh, we love all the comments as you can see and as we close out the show we must thank the great kate diaz a julie foudy sports leadership academy alum for our awesome theme music you can find her on spotify and iTunes. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you like what you hear, don't forget this is so important, or at least we're told it's important. No, it really is. Please subscribe and rate the podcast. We may even send you a donut. And as always, remember, say it with us, kids. Laughter, Laughter permitted. I play shocker. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time to listen and to our supporters. So one last shout out to Ally. Because the fact is, only 8% of people trust their bank. Get that, 8%. And yet, most of us never bother looking elsewhere. Money means having options, and that's another fact. For example, options to start a business, quit your job, start a family, retire the way you want, or simply leave a legacy. Ally knows you deserve better and their mission is to be just that. As woman I think this is something honestly we don't talk enough about and we should all be paying attention to our money and where we put it. So look them up ask your friends, ask your teammates check out the online reviews because when it comes to your money and everything you've worked so hard for, your house, your car, your future are you getting everything you want or are you merely satisfied? Give Ally a call. When you call Ally you can chat with a real person 24-7 even even on weekends and holidays. For more information, visit ally.com, A-L-L-Y.com. Ally Bank, member FDIC.